Zach Lowe is low on the Jazz. And FanDuel agrees. What are they all missing? Plus a little Donovan drama we don't have to deal with anymore. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Today, NBA expert extraordinaire, premier voice of all NBA discussion, Zach Lowe of ESPN has kind of a mixed bag, but is low on the Jazz. We'll see what he's missing or whether it's fair or not. Then find out that FanDuel agrees on their win over under and try to figure out why. Then we'll do our third segment around the NBA. little Donovan drama we don't have to deal with, just a refresher on that. Plus, Chris Paul's fit with the Warriors. Who's running pick and roll with Chris Paul? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We are up and live on YouTube for you as well. Join the community and all the chat. Big shout out to all the everydayers who join us each and every day. And thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. So the ongoing conversation we've all been having is 26, 36, or 46 wins for the Jazz next year. And what I think we all feel is that the Jazz front office made a move towards somewhere above 36. Uh, With the John Collins move, uh, my thought all year was we might be 26. The thought there was that we would be dropping, um, that we would be playing, you know, by halfway through the year, we were playing a Baji. Now we know who they are. Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, Lowry Markinen, and Walker Kessler. And two of your, four of your five players on the floor have played two or fewer years. You're beginning to form your crew, but it's going to be, it's a tough run. With John Collins and Kelly Olenek and Jordan Clarkson, on the t- team and back and Taylor Horton Tucker back. It doesn't feel like that's where we are. So therefore then the addition of John Collins, there's been much more of a feeling of optimism and wins in that. Well, Zach Lowe was doing his podcast with Chris Herring and it was a great show actually. And if they were then talking about um, the John Collins edition. So let's take a second and hear what he had to say. And then we'll discuss it. Um, and I try to give you an extended cut here so that it's not, um, that kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sensationalism. So this is actually kind of a minute and a half. It's kind of extended. And, uh, here's what he had to say. I still think John Collins is good. I I, I've said for years, whoever gets John Collins, if he's motivated and I think he will be, is going to get a surprisingly good player. Um, Utah is obviously one of the feel good stories of last year. They were in playoff contention until the bottom kind of fell out and they, then they chased the bottom. Um, I think he's going to walk into the starting five and they're going to try to go super big with the Collins, Markin and Kessler trio as they did often last year with Olenek, uh, in that group. Uh, and you know, 
you look at Utah and you look at everything I said before about the West and how everyone loaded up, and my gut on them is they're at risk for us. They're at at major risk for a step back in the West next season. Um, You know, their guard play and their playmaking specifically with Conley now long gone makes Mm -hmm. me nervous. The lack of perimeter sort of passing talent. Mm-hmm. 37 wins feels like a big lift for this group. That's what they did last year uh, in the, in yeah. this new landscape. And yet they punched above their weight the entire season with Markinen and Kessler. They were plus six per 100 possessions in a lot of minutes. And if you take Conley off that, that holds, if you take Conley, Conley and Clarkson off that holds so there's Zach. I hope you could hear it. I don't have anything on my system that lets me know whether it was coming through or not. Um, I could hear it through my headphones, which leads me to believe it did. So I thought it was really interesting for a few reasons. One is he says it's his gut, right? His gut is that we're going to have a tough time getting back to 36. Um, a little bit of that gut is just kind of a, a going back down on last year's expectations that this team wasn't going to be very good, and then it was if we're really honest about what that gut is. Um, Because he says it, like, they punched above their weight. Okay, so the Jazz were, their combination was better than they thought. The second part he points out is that with Walker Kessler and Lowry Markinen, we're plus six per 100 possessions. And, you know, the comment I've made all year is, like, unless Markinen and Hardy and, and unless Markinen, Kessler and Hardy are better, may just be better than we, than anyone realizes, and that's why the Jazz punch above their weight. The other side of this, that and actually this was convenient because this was I was prepping the show last night and I got this morning read the Salt Lake Tribune and Andy Larson had done kind of a similar piece, is if you look at the Jazz players and where they rank, I kind of get why someone's gut says this. So Lowry's a top 20 player in the NBA, which is great, and he was superb, and he was like the first guy off the All-NBA team last year, so that's 16th. That is mean that of the number one options in the NBA, he's prob- he's middle of the pack. Our second best player, most well-known player is Jordan Clarkson. Our second best player, most impactful player, maybe Walker Kessler. When the NBA top 100 ranks come out this year, which will be super interesting, I suspect Walker Kessler gets like 93 and Jordan Clarkson maybe in the 80s. And that's it, right? I don't think we end up with another player ranked in the top 100. And I don't think John Collins gets top 100. There might be hope that John Collins goes back in the top 100, but I, I don't think so in Olenek. I don't think so in Sexton. I don't think so in Ochai. I don't think so. So I could be wrong. But And and Jordan may have been forgotten by the end of last year, though I think when people suddenly look up and realize he scored 20 points a game and he had five assists, I, I suspect he'll, he'll get in there on numbers alone. And he played well. So if the Jazz are better than this and that Zach is off and what are they missing? So the first thing I think they would be missing is something we talk about a lot on the show and everydayers would know it well, which is 240. An NBA game has 240 collective minutes of minutes played. Um, and that is 240 minutes, 48 times five. We've got a really solid 240. That generally means you're better than people. Do. Same thing happened last year. When the year started and you looked at our roster and you had Conley and you had Vanderbilt and you had Beasley and you had all these guys, we had 240. So 
I mean, Lowry's an just this is simply the level of this is you're an NBA rotation player. Lowry, Walker, Jordan, Collins, Olenek, Sexton. I think Ochai is. I think Talon's proven that. And then I never usually give rookies that. So we'll see whether or not Keontae George is that. But that generally gets us close to 240. Maybe not all the way there. Ochai's probably got to prove it a little bit more. But I think Talon, if you give Talon the he's a viable top nine rotation player in the NBA, then we get to 240. Because you don't need then you don't need Keontae. And then really the only one that's still got to prove it entirely is Ochai. And I think that's pretty clear. So I do think that there's a level where, yes, when a night starts and someone else has their, you know, Denver's a bad example. They've always been our example because they're closest to us, but they're a bad example because they're now the NBA champs. That they have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and they have Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and they have Aaron Gordon and, and, and they have four or five guys that are top 100 players in the NBA, four guys in their starting lineup. They're top 100 players in the NBA and we don't. That opening minutes are going to be key. And this is what's so interesting about that Kessler and marketing plus six is that that Kessler marketing plus six. And this is what we have to look at is really, okay, well, how are Kessler and Markin's plus six against other team starters? And if they can hold ground when we're playing against LeBron, Anthony Davis, like teams that just are much more loaded on the top half than we are, then maybe we can surprise again because our bottom half is better than anyone realizes. And nobody really analyzes a team that way. Certainly Phoenix, Booker, Beal, Durant, Aiton, wow, probably four of the top 50. And then from there, if if we if we're not, if we're not down 12 and you can start kind of piecing the game together and suddenly you've got a lineup of George, Sexton, Ochai, Alinek, and Lowry, and the floor is wide open and spread and Collins driving and Keontae's driving and Ochai's popping threes, and Linux ball handling and playing point guard basically, and Lowry's playing a stretch five to open it up. Maybe, maybe you're suddenly winning those minutes, and that's where we end up better than everyone else. What's interesting is that FanDuel unfortunately agrees with Zach Lowe, and we'll touch on that and where the Jazz rank on the gambling end of things as we continue here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. I'm driving. My daughter's out of town right now. She's up at the uh, Girls Junior America's Cup in Canada representing the state of Utah, so I was driving her Ionic 5 last night, which is my Ionic 5. became hers. Totally inside. Who cares? Um, loving it. The electric lineup of the 5 and the 6 are amazing. That's why they have one car of the year. The Motor Trend SUV of the year was the Ionic 5. The car of the year is the Ionic 6. Then you have the great SUV lineup of the Santa Fe all the way down to the Kona with the Tucson in between and the Palisade up atop. It's absolutely fabulous cars. Best bang for the buck you can get with Murdoch Hyundai and you get the Murdoch experience which is giving you the no regrets experience of 80 plus years in Utah. Feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com to get your VIP experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. FanDuel, and we'll look at their numbers here in just a second. Time for you to take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. Get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under on who, uh, to who you think is going to be the first home run. 
all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, the official sportsbook of LockedOn Podcast Network, all FanDuel. Well, we might as well keep FanDuel up here for a second on the screen because we're going to talk about FanDuel's odds for the Jazz right now. Uh, by the way, thank you very much to all the everydayers who join in this program each and every day. Coming up as the week goes on, we'll talk about whether Jordan Clarkson can play point guard in a point guardless world. That is the NBA. That seems to be where everything is heading. So we'll kind of see, uh, is that our starting point guard this year? We've talked about Saxon. We've talked about Taylor Horton Tucker. We've talked about, some people have talked about Keontae George. We'll talk about whether or not Jordan Clarkson can be the point guard. We'll also look at a, another publication's power rankings of where the Jazz are and how does James Harden help the Clippers if he ends up there. On Thursday, we'll look at Taylor Horton Tucker and evaluate where he is and then what can John Collins do for a jump uh, later in this week. So we'll continue to look at those things um, as we go. Then we'll go to three days a week starting next week for the NBA offseason uh, of programming. But excited with you, and we'll start the interview series uh, coming in after that. Uh, by the way, I do read all the YouTube comments, and somebody yesterday commented that it looks like I have a black eye. I think it's right here. Um, so that was made by a 25-year-old. That's just age, baby. That's just age. I don't know what it is. I could put makeup on it, but I'm me. Um, that's just H nothing, nothing better for you than H. Uh, so nope, no black guy. I didn't get any fights. Don't have any good stories for you. Uh, I got, I got a son who's celebrating his 21st birthday today. I'm just flipping old, uh, and didn't do it on the Utah style. So that doesn't mean I'm 42 it means I'm 52. All right, let's get to, uh, what FanDuel has to say. I, this is interesting to me. Uh, FanDuel has the jazz win total at 34.5. Here's what they have. They have the Spurs at 28.5. They have the Rockets at 31.5. They have the Blazers off the board. And then they have the Jazz in the West at 34.5. So they have us as the third lowest team in the West on FanDuel. Overs minus 122, by the way, if you want to go place it now. And you could probably get your $200 bonus bet I just talked about. Uh, Wizard, here's some other teams that are lower than the Jazz. The Wizards are at 24.5. The Orlando Magic are higher than the Jazz at 36.5. The Indiana Pacers are higher than the Jazz at 37.5. The Detroit Pistons are lower than the Jazz at 26.5. Boy, they've been bad for a long time. So that has the Jazz at fifth of teams that are on the board. Chicago's at 36.5. Charlotte's at 29.5. So that has the Jazz now to seventh. And then if you take Portland, I think that gets you to eighth. So the Jazz are projected for the as the eighth record, worst record in the NBA game. In the West. Rockets, Spurs, Blazers, I'm assuming, lower. So, again, why? So, let's go with first questions. Is there anybody on the Jazz roster that could give them a boost this year 
that gets them above the 34.5 that FanDuel is talking about that people aren't, that people are missing. So I think the first one's Walker. Like, I think Walker could really be, by the end of the year, a top, I don't want to get too excited, but like a top top 100 player in the NBA for the whole year, maybe top 75 player in the league. I'd like to say top 50, but I don't want to put that on him. Top 50 starts to get you into like, are you one of the five best centers in the NBA? Like, it's a little hard. And I'm just not sure that's fair to put on him in his second year in the NBA. But I think Walker's really good. I think Colin Sexton has a bounce. I thought Colin had a way better year last year than maybe most of us realized. And then the Jazz really got conservative and wanted to get him through the year. And the one thing that was said to us all throughout the year about Colin was that his injury that he was coming back from had a significant statistical chance in regards to, not significant like 50% or anything, but like in regards to the chance of injury in the first 12 months. And then if you could get through that, it really opened up the door for him. And if you look at Colin last year, his effective field goal percentage jumped from kind of at 51 in his career to 56% last year. His three-point shooting, he took fewer or less, and then he shot them right about kind of what he always does. He doesn't take a lot of them. It takes him a long time. Um, I thought he played in control and he began to learn how to play with teams. And then I thought, well, Will really did a fabulous job of using his superpower. And I actually think there's an inch. I, I, I keep talking about that. I think Lowry's is our backup center. I could be wrong on this, but I do think that Will Hardy's preference is to play five out whenever he can. And I suspect a second unit where Ochai comes, Ochai and Alinek, well, maybe Ochai starts, frankly. So Alinek comes in with Sexton and maybe Keontae George. And we'll get into rotation stuff later. But I could envision, I've mentioned it once already, a second unit that has Lowry at the center with Alinek as kind of the four ball handler. I don't know how we defend anyone in this lineup. With Ochai and then Keontae George or Taylor Horton Tucker and Colin Sexton. And it's just a wide open floor and lets Colin go to work. And I think Colin could really have a bounce. I also think Taylor could have a bounce. Again, both these guys are not natural point guards. And both of them have a little bit of a struggle and they have to get their teammates involved. Both of them have a superpower. Colin's superpower is that first step. Taylor's is his strength and size. Taylor needs to become a better rim finisher, but I think that's okay. There's your skill. Like if he becomes a better rim finisher with the ability he has to get to the rim, there's really a big step for him. Colin last year didn't finish great at the rim. He was at 61%, which was much lower than he had been in years past. And his actual amount of time getting to the rim was down a little bit. He stopped for some of these floaters at a higher rate, which he actually made at a pretty nice level, but I would like it if the floor was open and he actually got all the way to the rim. It's a, it's a better shot, gets him to the floor. And maybe with a little more health and a little bit more pizzazz, and boy, does he ever play hard. Taylor, according to basketball reference, gets to the rim and shoots 62% at the rim. He gets there at a, at a really high rate, and it's got, you know, and has an incredible ability to get there. So I think those guys could bounce to be a little bit better than we anticipate. The, the reason I think this is is there is like those two guys can really drive it. Who can move it? 
if your starting lineup is Clarkson, Ochai, Lowry, Collins, Kessler, like Jordan's your only ball ball creator, driver, your only one on the floor right there that can drive and create. It's tough on a starting lineup. Um, And then is he really a passer? So do we have enough drivers and creators offensively? Do we have enough passers? And we weren't very good defensively last year. And so I think that's where you're getting the 34.5. I also think there is a feeling that the, a lot of teams in the West somehow took a bounce or or maybe it's still a little bit of a, we didn't really buy last year from people. The one thing I would say on all of this, where I think the two reasons I think people might be wrong, both Zach and FanDuel, is 240. I think that 240 is really, really important. And I think the 240 is really important because I think everything's narrowed down. Right, Denver's better than everyone. Phoenix is probably the second best team, and then and then it gets super narrow. Right, I understand that Fanduel, I'm certain thinks that Dallas is much better than the Jazz and has them at 44.5, but they're not that much better. Right, it's pretty it's pretty tight, and the Clippers, depending on their injuries, are at 47.5, and the Lakers are at 47.5. Like it's pretty tight. If you actually take Fanduel's numbers, there aren't many teams winning more than 50 games this year. I think Phoenix and Denver might've been the only ones. Phoenix is at 52.5 and Denver is at 53.5. And the Warriors, I think were under Warriors at 48.5. So you've literally got just two teams that are above 50, which means that everything gets a little more narrow. So if you get health, you play your 240, you actually win a few more games than anyone anticipates because the, the, the margin between teams is thinner than it's ever been before. It's be interesting to see. You know what we don't have to deal with anymore? Is Donovan drama. And that's what every nervous Cleveland fan is experiencing. Plus, we'll look at Chris Paul and how he fits with the Golden State Warriors as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz today, making your first listen of the day. I super appreciate all you everydayers out there that join us Monday through Friday and are a part of what we do. All right. This isn't that important. It just, I heard it and I was like, my goodness gracious. Like, it's a year since the trade. Donovan had this remarkable season and now Cleveland fans have to deal with this. But this is kind of a make or break year for the Cavs. I don't, do you think he, you think he signs an extension right now? I think there's no chance he signs. I don't think there's any chance he signs an extension there ever. And if it was up to me, I would trade Donovan Mitchell today. Uh, this is kind of a make or break year for the Cavs. Uh, like Cleveland's had this like brilliant off season. They've done everything right. And now they're dealing with that. It, it's exactly why trading Donovan Mitchell was just such a great, great move by the Utah jazz. I mean, I love Donovan. Uh, I think he's great. I'm so impressed by the steps he took last year. Um, I think it would have been super interesting if he could have stuck around and tried to carry this team as his franchise. I don't think he was particularly interested in doing that. And I just feel for the Cleveland Cavalier fans who are in the midst. That that, that was so old and wearing us wearing me out and I think wearing all of you out the same way. All right, let's go to the Golden State Warriors for a second. So let's make sure we're perfectly clear that acquiring Chris Paul was a salary dump of Jordan Poole. And his was the salary that happened to work. Chris Paul's 38 years old. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the great assist guys of all time. And so there's this feeling that 
It has to be for basketball purposes. It, it wasn't. It was a salary dump, 100%. So everyone seems to be talking about that, but then they want to talk about Chris Paul Viley. Number two, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kayvon Looney. That's the Warriors' starting five last year. Plus 22.1. If the Warriors break up their starting five to acquiesce to a 38-year-old point guard who's not what he once was, they're insane. 22.1 is their plus minus. When you put, I don't know who you would take out of that starting lineup, but you just keep Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green on the floor together. The Warriors are great. You put Chris Paul on that floor together, you screw it up. Let's just be honest. Suddenly, Steph doesn't have the ball, Clay doesn't have the ball, Draymond doesn't have the ball. Those guys are great together. Now, here's what's a little interesting. When you took Andrew Wiggins out the floor and you put Dante DiVincenzo on the floor, they became an 18.4 last year. So instead of a 22, they were an 18.4 because Andrew Wiggins was out for a long time. But Dante DiVincenzo doesn't need the ball. When you put Jordan Poole on the floor, who didn't need the ball either but wanted the ball, even with Draymond and everyone else, they became a plus 1.3. So you put Draymond Green on the, you put Jordan Poole on the floor with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. So you have somebody else who wants the ball, wants to shoot, wants to, they went from being with their starting lineup of a plus 22 or a plus whatever I said, 18 with Dante DiVincenzo. They went to a plus 1.3 with Jordan Poole on the floor. And now they're going to put Chris Paul on that floor. Okay. So the second narrative of this is like, well, Chris Paul will be great because of the fact that Chris Paul runs a pick and roll and changes up who the Warriors are. Who, who is he running the pick and roll with? There's not a rolling big on that roster. Kayvon Looney doesn't roll the basket. Draymond Green doesn't roll the basket. There's not a rolling big anywhere on the roster. So who's he playing pick and roll with? If he wants to play pick and roll with Steph or Clay or someone like that, and they want to switch it, great. Run the pick and roll and let us switch every single one of those. Because that's the only really way to guard the Warriors is to actually be able to do that, which is to set the have the pick be set and then switch it. Because if you don't and you try to get through things, then you have Chris Paul. And then frankly, Chris Paul at this stage of his career can't beat anyone. So Chris Paul running a pick and roll with Steph or Clay Thompson or Draymond, you just switch it. Because honestly, who cares? Chris Paul can't beat you one-on-one anymore. So I don't see this, like, it's a salary dump. We can try to pretend that it's something else and it's going to be this, you know, 
They'll be you know, good and this and that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Like, and you go try to find, like, pick and roll screener time, you don't find Kayvon Looney on the top of this list. Right? Like, Nikola Vukovic set the most picks of anyone in the league last year in Chicago at 3,200, and Bam Adebayo set 3,100, and Rudy Gobert sent 2,600. And when you want to go find Kayvon Looney, you find 1,626 in the NBA. Pretty decent at it because he's doing it with staff and those guys, but not, right? Like, he set as many picks as Zach Collins and Dwight Powell last year. That's not what they do. So, Super interesting to watch how this works. Because I've listened to everyone try to make sense out of it and try to make sense. Oh, it's good for the second unit. Eh. Eh. Really? Like, why? Because Chris Ball, Paul, have his ball, ball in his hands doing what? With whom? I, I don't see it. I see a salary dump. And what I think will be super interesting is when it doesn't work, whether or not Chris Paul, who's been mercurial at best and acrimonious with many teammates in his career, and how that works. So we'll continue the series of kind of looking at the other teams, what their moves are, where they are. It's just going like this. Everything's just going like this. And with load management and teams not playing, you know, star players not playing 82, I, I the margin between the top teams and the bottom teams is going to get thinner. And that's where the NBA wants it. It's quite impressive. By the way, Steph Curry was 22nd last year in pick and rolls run of players in the NBA. And often off Draymond in some sort of, or Clay in some sort of switch game. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to the everydayers. Jordan Clarkson is he our point guard tomorrow on Locked on Jazz.